0: All right, Mark chapter 16, and uh, we're down now in verse 17 and 18, and uh, we're gonna look here, uh, read the read the passage here. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven. Make sure I (laughs) received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And uh, again, we've been talking about the signs and so forth, and just we're just going to jump in here because these signs are here for a very specific reason. Uh, there's four of them here. Three of these signs' activity uh, actually have t- will take place in the book of Acts. There's one that hasn't, that doesn't, and that's that issue of drinking the deadly thing. But what that tells you is that these four signs are literal. They are physical, they are visible. They're actually, they're not spiritualized. And I, again, this passage causes a lot of people heartache because they won't they don't understand dispensational issues. They don't rightly divide the word, they make it into something else. So when it says, Cast out devils, the preachers say, see, the moment you got saved, you cast the devil out. See, casting out devils. Well, that's not what this is about. We'll see. All right, now, when you did get saved, yes, you do cast the devil out of you, but that's not here. Then they'll say, see, you speak with new tongues. Well, when the moment you got saved, now your language cleans up. No gutter talk, no swearing, no bad talk, none of that. Well, okay, that should happen, but not as a, not here. So what, the, what we're looking at as we look at these is we're literally looking at literal, physical, visible signs that are going to take place, though, verse 6, he that believeth and is baptized, I'm sorry, verse 16, shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Believe what? Believe the gospel of the kingdom, So we got little flock members, as they go out and do the work of the ministry, their work, they're they're bringing in uh, 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 unsaved uh, Jews, unsaved Israelites, they're bringing in unsaved Gentiles and so forth in the kingdom. And as they are working these signs, in my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up servant, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They're going to do this. And again, we see these in Acts. And in the book of Acts, Peter, Peter's shadow goes over and heals the lady, raises the dead, actually. Paul takes a handkerchief and sends it. And when they touch the handkerchief, instant healing, okay, uh, Paul's going to, there's going to be a viper in the, in the pit in Acts 28, and it's going to hit him, and he's going to shake it off and nope, not be hurt. And what happens is, is these are supernatural miracles. And that's really, when we were, uh, before we took our break for the holiday, when we were talking about the signs, we're not talking about natural things. Think about healing. Your body is fearfully and wonderfully made. It has a natural way to heal itself. God created it that way, but that's not the healing we're talking about here. The healing we're talking about here is supernatural, not natural. I'm under the weather. I take a little vitamin C, or actually a lot of vitamin C. I've been doing it for, forever. And then, which is odd. Anyway, you go over here, you, you take some medication or something, and it helps. But it, what does it do? It adds to the natural healing ability of your body. We understand that. You cut your finger, and then in a couple days, what is it? It's, all, it's healed. It's all back. That God created your body that way. Also, man comes in and studies that creation and then improves on it. And well, dad and them were here and, uh, f- during, the, during our break, and I was talking to him. I was asking him about his heart and the cow valve and everything, because it's coming up on when they initially said it's time to replace it. And they've gone in, checked it, everything's fine, everything, you know, the normal wear and tear. And he said they've actually found out that instead of 15 years, it's now moving out to 30 before they have to worry about it. And then, he said, they've developed the technology to where it's liposcopic, so they make three cuts, and they stick it in, and then they stick it in, the the, the new one in the old one, and blow the new one up, and they don't even have to open you up, crack your sternum or anything. Well, that's what? Natural healing. Okay, that isn't divine healing, that's natural. So when we look at this stuff, We're not talking naturally where your body is just going to heal itself with the medication and rest and so forth. We're talking about divine, supernatural healing completely, totally. Uh, If you look over there at Acts, just as an illustration of this, we used to have a neighbor. They were believed in the Benny Hinn type healing where you had to go to seven or eight services and give them all your money and then you might get healed. But in Scripture, it's never that way. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John come up. They see the lame man asking for alms. Verse 4 Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, and uh, with John said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee, in the name of, and again, Mark 16, in the name in my name. What are you going to do these? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, that's divine, supernatural intervention healing. No piecemeal stuff where you got to go back for a second dose, come back there to Mark 16. None of that. It is complete, done. So when we're talking about these gifts, these sign gifts here, the, these signs, if you will, they're here for a specific reason. And there's a specific reason why there's these four given. Because Mark is going to look out to the tribulation, to the, to the 70th week of Daniel. And as we begin to see that and we begin to understand that, come back with me to Exodus chapter 4, where, where it all started. By the way, in, in, six, in Mark 16 verse 20 there, always remember the signs in Scripture are given to confirm the word being preached, all right, and that's what verse twenty tells us. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So when we come back to Exodus four again, where we were, and, and I'm not going to re-teach everything we've taught so far, but when you think about Moses here, has come to deliver Israel. God, Moses, you know, pitches his fit. They're not going to believe me. So I need some signs. So the Lord gives him three. God gives him three. Really, the two of them are the, are the important ones. Verse 3, he said, uh, well, verse 2, And the Lord said unto him, What is in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. But the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thy hand. And take it by the tail, and he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. So we've got this issue of taking up the serpent, the rod, turns the serpent. And what that demonstrates to the nation of Israel here in their very beginning days is that Moses has the capacity to deliver them from the satanic captivity of Egypt, and the picture there, and what's going to happen here. And Moses has that capacity to do that, that power to do that, and you see that in that sign. That sign is confirming what Moses has told him in chapter three, verse six. The Lord said, "Put forth," uh, said furthermore unto him, "Put now thine hand in thy bosom." And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he pulled it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he, uh, and he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. So now, the second sign, the leprosy, bosom, put it in here next to your heart, leprosy in Scripture is a picture of the, con- the corruption and the condemnation of sin. And what Moses is going to do now is he's going to deliver them from the curse of sin. And and he's going to do it here, verse 8, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. Again, it's designed to cause them to believe. The sign is going to, verse 29, 429, And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses, and did the signs in the sight of the people, and the people believed. So the signs confirmed the word for Moses, but these two signs, the two great categories, the dealing with Satan, the serpent, the rod, the casting out of unclean spirits, the casting out of devils, then the then the the dealing with the leprosy, the corruption of sin. And that's the bosom issue, that's the heart. And what that sign demonstrates is that the source of the sin corruption is in the heart, their heart. But it is also the source for the the, the, uh, the source for the clean cleansing from the sin. Is from the heart, but that's a heart of faith. So you've got these two great signs. So when you come back to Mark 16 here at the end of the chapter, Mark 16, you have those two categories. So verse 17 fits in category one about the serpent dealing with the the satanic captivity. And then in verse 18, you're going to deal with the sin corruption, the physical issue. And that's what begins to happen here. And what I want, what we're going to do is just look at each of them. There's four of them, and we're going to go until we're done, or I'm done. All right? The, the cold meds are kicking in, but my head's dulling down. So you know how that goes. <laughs> but the thing is is the, peop, the, the second sign, the, the physical issue, verse 18, but verse 17, dealing with that satanic captivity. And the very fact that even in the Lord's earthly ministry, when he comes in and he casts out the unclean spirits, casts out the devils, okay, then he turns around and heals the sick. He's demonstrating that he has the power and authority to rescue Israel from satanic captivity and to rescue them from the corruption and the curse of sin. That's what he's doing. Now he's leaving them and he's giving that to the little flock and to those who are now going to come into the little flock. So, verse 17, we've, In my name shalt thou cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. The two things here, okay? Casting out devils. Now, you have to remember that devils, sometimes we'll, you'll hear people say demons Thing is, is the Greeks use demons as, that, the word demons as good or bad. Demon as ingenious, smart, okay? Or they'll say that he's good. In Scripture, devils are always bad, little d, or the big d, okay? And you got to remember that. But what we have here, when he says cast out devils, the plural, this is not the devil, Satan, this is his host, these are his operatives, and Satan has operatives out there in amongst the nation of Israel that are, that, are, that are possessing the people, and when they possess the people, that causes the people to not be usable <coughs> excuse me, by God in accomplishing God's program and plan with the nation of Israel. The earthly ministry, the Lord cast them out. Now the little flock is going to begin to do it. And in Luke 10, you, we'll see over there in a little bit, there's 70. The 70 are doing it and they're able to do it as well. And what begins to happen here as we begin to think about casting out devils, there is a reason why they're able to do this. And that reason for for this sign to be here is it begins to paint a picture of what's going to happen when Christ returns and sets up the kingdom, okay? So if you think about where we've been, just kind of, we have the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have John the Baptist, we have the Lord Jesus Christ, we have Calvary, okay? He's been dead, buried, he's up. He's meeting here with with the the commission. And as Mark begins to look, he's looking over here at that 70th week of Daniel, the second coming, and the establishment of the kingdom. And as Mark 16 looks that way, we're going to go, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on them in Acts 2. And we've got some events that are going to happen and things that are going to be done. And as they're working and doing, that Mark 16 looks over here because the kingdom is what's going to be established over here. And when that's established, some these things are going to take place. So the reason for the casting out of the devils to be passed on to that little flock, that believing remnant that's going to function and operate in there, is because of their a picture of what's gonna happen when Christ returns and establishes the kingdom. Now come back, come over with me to Zechariah chapter 13. And we're just gonna look at each one of these. And and by the way, all four of them are in this light. Zechariah 13. One of the goals of the establishment, of establishing the kingdom is to rescue the nation of Israel from satanic captivity, but it is also to rescue the Gentile nation from satanic captivity. The goal is to cast out Satan and his operatives and everything that he's controlling, get rid of it all. Zechariah 13. Zechariah is right in front of Malachi. Zechariah 13, verse 1. In excuse me. In that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and uncleanliness. That day, this is a second coming passage. If you look back at chapter 12, if you look there at verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his own son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem, as the mourning of, and off he goes, and what we're talking about is the second coming. That day is the day of the Lord, 13-2. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. What's he going to do? He's going to, in that land, remember when Joshua is going to go into the land and Moses gives him the orders and and God gives Joshua the orders of when you go in there and you Go to battle. You clean them all out. You burn them all up, and everybody goes, "Oh, what a hateful God!" No, what is he doing? He's going in there and he's dispossessing that that polluted seed line, <laughs> that mess that Satan has put into the land. He's cleaning the land out, and what does he say? One, I'm going to cut the name, cut off the names of the idols. I'm going to take that idolatry, satanic vain religious system, and I'm, Baal worship is what it's called, and I'm going to clean it out, and then I'm going to cut off the prophet and, and the unclean spirit, I'm going to cast it all out, I'm going to clean it all out. When I come back in that day, I, I tell you there's a bunch of stuff happens in the second coming, Okay, yes, he's Revelation 19, coming back, making more doing, but he's accomplishing, he says, in that day, I'm going to go into that land, come over with me to Revelation 20. Hold on to Zechariah. Well, yeah, yeah, Revelation 20. When I go into there, I'm going to clean them out, Revelation 20. So when, so when you, when you see this issue of casting out devils, It's a demonstration that they're in that program of establishing the kingdom. And and these folks in Mark 9, 16, and and now because of the interruption, those that are going to be going through over here, they're going to have the ability to cast Satan's cohort, not Satan himself, but his workers out. Revelation 20 verse 1 and I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand and he laid hold of the dragon that old serpent which is the devil capital D here's the the head guy and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him and he should de- that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season literally when that event happens right there, he's taking Satan and all of his cohorts, bounding them up, and casting them into the bottomless pit. That's what he's doing. He, they, that's over here. So the casting out of the unclean spirit, the familiar spirit, the evil spirit, the devils, has to do with the establishment of the kingdom. It has to do with Christ's return. So when Mark tells him over here, he's looking at the 70th week, the tribulation. He's looking at this event, this time, and he says, what I'm, we're going to do here, we're learning that we're going to do it, we're going to have the power to do it during here, it's, gonna, it's over here too. Okay? Come back with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. The Lord has already told them this. None of this is news to them. Now, it's news to them in their understanding because back here when he tells them, they don't quite get it. Now they've had their understanding open, Luke 24 They're going to understand this. But the Lord, that's why he would say in Luke 24, everything I told you, remember, I fulfilled, do it. here." He's told them, now they're understanding the implication of it. Matthew 12, verse 28. Matthew 12, 28. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. That whole issue of casting out devils is is what's going to happen. What's showing up? The kingdom. Okay? It's here. And this is what the kingdom is designed to do. It's design is to cast out the devils. It's design is to go into that land and clean out the polluted and to establish the kingdom, everything. Now, Come over to Luke 10, Luke chapter 10, because in Luke 10, you've got, you got 70 that the Lord sends out, okay? I got to get my, I gotta find my, Luke 10 and verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now, you got 70 here. The 70 are an interesting thing. It's an interesting number. They, it is actually a number associated with the nation of Israel. When they go into Egypt, there are 70 souls, Deuteronomy says. So it's number 12 isn't just Israel's only number. There's another number. But the 70 are, are a fascinating thing. By the way, if you go back, verse 1, after these things the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would go. So the Lord is sending the seven out, kind of a, 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 a pre-party out, they come back and report to the Lord what's going on. But watch what he says there, verse 2. Therefore saith he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of, of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes and salute no man by the way and into whatever house ye enter first say peace be to this house and if the son of peace be there your peace shall rest upon it if not it shall turn to you again and 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 in the same house remain eating and drinking and you keep reading down there and you go look at Matthew 10 and the commission that the Lord gives the 12 apostles and this commission to the 70 are very similar He sends them out. What do they say, verse 17? They're rejoicing. Man, the devils are subject to us. Woo-hoo. Verse 18, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. (laughs) Think about that. Here's the the 70. They're rejoicing in the ministry they're doing, and the Lord says, look, dude, I was there. Look, guys, not dude, sorry. Look, guys, I was there in the original fell, Okay? So you guys are doing good, keep it up. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all other, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. There's that Mark 16. No no hurt will come to them. So when you think about, come back to, to Mark 16, what's happening here? the casting out of demons, of devils, sorry, okay, it has to do with the issue of cleaning up the land and establishing the kingdom in Christ's return. So Mark 16 is looking to the future. Now, they don't know and understand the dispensational. So according to Daniel 9, there's tribulation and persecution and distress is coming. There's things coming through here. The city is going to be, and there's war, and there's floods, and there's all this stuff coming. And in that situation, they're going to be able to m- go through it, and no hurt or harm will come to them. Uh, I was going to say, if you remember Mark 5, when we talked about legion, there the cl- that is the classic example of, of devil possession. When somebody says, well, he's possessed with a demon, in the age of grace, no, he's not, okay? It's just a lunatic or something else is wrong, okay? And how you know that is if, how did we cast, how did Peter cast that that demon, how did Peter fix that guy in Acts 3? In the name of. So if you said in the name of Jesus of Nazareth come out, which is what the the formula is for these guys, and he doesn't come out, then that's not a demon. Besides, if you're in Christ, you're sealed with the Spirit. That means that demon got into you, got into the Spirit. So something's not adding up there, okay? What's happening here with that guy in, in Mark 5, Legion, he's in the tombs, cutting himself, doing all... Everything he does is all pictures of what demon-devil possession does, okay? What Remember what they said to the Lord when he went to deal with them? They said, don't cast us out of the land. Put us in that swine, okay? Well, why is there a herd of swine by a Jew? Jews can't eat pigs. So what's going on? So we got trouble. There's some Things aren't right. Satanic captivity is going on. But they said, so the devils know. I love that guy. He says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? You see, they're well aware of the program. They look around at us probably and giggle because we, we think we figured it out, and yet we run around like they're doing it and, and they're, they're not. These guys, they know what they are there to do. What are they to do? They are to possess the land. How are they going to do that? By possessing the people who are in the land. See, they're not worried about the man. They're worried about getting kicked out of the land. So casting out devils is confirming the word of the kingdom as it's being preached. They're preaching the kingdom's coming. We got to get through here. We got to do and the casting out of the devil again the unclean spirit the familiar spirit the evil spirit whatever spirit it is it demonstrates that what they are preaching is going to be is being confirmed and is being worked out and it's exactly what God it's exactly what the gospel message the gospel of the kingdom would have them to do they're out doing that And they're doing it right. They're doing it legitimately. And again, you remember the Lord says to a group, you've cast out devils, you've healed in my name, but I don't know you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. There's a false tendency, a lying lying wonders, and then there's the real deal. That's why the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John is so critical in in this moment. Then he says, verse 17, they shall speak with new tongues. Now, the speaking with new tongues, again, is looking out over here to the kingdom. And you have to think about the speaking in new tongues. So get Acts 2 and get Genesis 11. Because this is pretty straightforward, but yet again, it has nothing to do with you and I today in the age of grace, it has it has everything to do with Israel and Israel's program. These signs, I said it before, I'll say it again, are kingdom and nature. They're not Jewish, they're kingdom because they're dealing with the kingdom coming. Now in, in Acts 2, verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the serpent gave up, uh, has the serpent. Yeah, okay. Whew. As the, where's that coffee mug at? I'll use it in a, that's in the sermon now. The medicine kicked, the medicine in. kicked in. As the Spirit gave them utterance, okay? Now, again, they, so they're going to have, the day of Pentecost is fulfilled, and the evidence of the Holy Spirit being there is they are able to speak with other tongues, now, come back to Genesis 11, because there's a, re- again, this is dealing with Satan and the satanic influence and the satanic captivity, okay? So just think about the history here, Genesis 1 to 11. In Genesis 1, you got Adam and Eve, they fall, Man, okay? But in that, God created three institutions, volition, Okay, so you're able to make a choice and then be held accountable for it. The second institution is marriage. So you choose to get married. The the third institution is family. So what you have with volition and marriage and family is the bedrock of society, of all of humanity. Humanity comes from the volition, the choice, to get married, and then the choice to have children. By the way, it failed at every point. Volition, Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. They get married. Now it's the woman that you gave me. She made me do it. That dumb man, if he have listened to me, we wouldn't have been here. But then the family, what did Ab- Cain and Abel? Cain killed Abel. It fa- Fail, fail, fail. So then we have Noah, okay? And we have all the all of the earth chapter 6 of genesis the violence and all that's going on so then the lord judges the earth you come out on the other side genesis 9 he tells noah and his family by the way perfect in his generations generations his dna wasn't polluted the 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 generating of his family was pure and clean. Why? Because in Genesis 6, we've learned that up in Genesis 6 up to that point, the fallen angels had come in and polluted the seed of the woman. That's what Genesis 3 said. The seed of the woman is going to defeat the seed of the adversary. So what are we going to do? What's the adversary going to do? He's going to attack the seed of the woman. How do you do that? Well, let's dilute it. Let's pollute it. Noah didn't do that. So then, Noah comes in, in, chapter 9, the flood's over, he commissions, he commissions Noah the same way that he commissioned Adam, except for the subdue it issue. He said, go replenish it, fill it up. He told Adam, subdue it. Noah, he didn't say subdue it, because now we're going to do the fourth institution, and that's we're going to have a little nationalism. We're going to have a little human government, Okay. Romans 13, the powers that be were subject to, he established human government. Human government is to protect from the evil, Romans 13 says. Not anything, but something very specific, the specific evil that's attacking the three institutions that God established, volition, your free will, your choice, marriage, and family, because that's what makes up the nucleus of society. In Isaiah, he says about Lucifer that he was weakening the nations. How does he weaken the nations? He attacks those three institutions, human government, nationalism. Then in chapter 10 of Genesis, we find out that there is, that God separates out the three boys, and now we've got nations formed that are made up of borders, language, and culture, okay? But where did that language thing come from, see? If you're there in chapter 10, if you look at verse, or you're in 11, look at Genesis 10, look at verse 5. These were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, everyone after his tongue, after his, their family, and in their nations, see that? Verse 30, 20. These are the sons of Ham after their families, after their tongues in their countries and in their nations. Verse 31, the sons of Shem. Verse 32, these are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. So there's a tongue thing here, okay? Well, when they came off the ark, they were speaking the same language. But now there's a division based on language. We've got the land divided up. We've got, if you got land, then you're going to put a border around it, going to protect it. But there's things now that are gravitating language wise. Well, what happened? There's, here's Genesis 11. Genesis 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. So the Lord set up, God set up nationalism. What is Satan going to set up? So just as he attacked volition, marriage, and family, now he's attacking nationalism with globalism, internationalism, one language, one speech. Verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 4, they're going to build a city, so we've got a political center, We've got an economic center and a tower. Now we've got a religious center. So we've got a one, one language, one politics, one economics, and in one religion, we, internationalism, globalism, okay? Verse 5, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one, they have all one language, and this is they will begin to do and and know and now nothing will be restrained from them and they that they have, which they have imagined to do go to let us go down there uh, and their confound their language that they may not understand one another so the lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city therefore the name of it is called babel because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So now, when you go back and read in chapter 10 about the border's language, where did that come from? It came from the judgment of, of, of the one, the internationalism. He causes now there to be languages. So now we have a dividing up according to a language so we have a border, we have a land that's given, a border, and we got a language, and then that's going to develop the culture, see. So the, the scattering. Now, come back to Acts chapter 2. So when he says there, they're going to be able to speak in a new tongue, they sh- shall speak with new tongues. If you look in Acts chapter 2, you see it. And when he, by the way, when he says new tongues, there, there's a verse in Zephaniah 3, and, and, and there's stuff in Revelation about a new tongue and a new land, and a new hey, that it's new in that they'd never talked this way before. Okay. We'll get over there maybe here in just a second. Zeph, uh, Acts 2, look at verse 5. Acts 2 5. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. So they're in Jerusalem for Pentecost, three, fe- three feasts a year, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, they came to Jerusalem. Now, the verse says they're out of every nation under heaven. So then where are they out of? Every nation under heaven. So no, no nation is not represented here, okay? So when you get into the, the archaeology and all that stuff, and they begin to say, well, no, there was this and this and this, from verse 8, verse 9, 10, 11, gives you all of the known nations under heaven at this time. Okay? Well, what about the Indian? They're not a nation. They're just a people. Okay? Okay? Now, what happens? Verse 11, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others, mocking, said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by Joel, the prophet, by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last day. What days? Last days. We're out over here. We're, these are the last days. See? They're, they're looking at this as last days. What are they going to do? I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. See verse nineteen. I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs and blunt and all the what's coming. This stuff out here. Where are they? They're here, and what are they doing? They've. He has reversed. Here he's reversed the curse of Genesis eleven. Now that believing remnant can do what? Can communicate with all Jews, all of Israel. And that's the kicker here. There is not a Gentile in this crowd that they're talking to in Acts 2. And how you know that is from Acts 10, 45. Because the circumcision, when he when Peter goes and talks to Cornelius, they're flabbergasted, they're that he's talking to a Gentile. So if in Acts 2 there were Gentiles there, they would be what? Astonished. So there isn't any. Okay. Now, by the way, verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Verse 14, ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell. So obviously, who's Peter think he's talking to? Israel, the Jews. So the tongues give them the ability, by the way, they're going to go out to the uttermost parts of the earth. You're going to start in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. So you're going to start here, but then you're going to branch out, and when you branch out, what do you need to be able to do? You've got to be able to speak the language, preach the word. What, it, what They're preaching the word. I, the fantastic thing is in verse 11. Acts 2.11, the Cretes and Arabians, now watch, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Do you see how the gift of the tongue is confirming what they're preaching to them, the wonderful works of God? They're like, this is wonderful news that we're hearing in our language. How is this happening? See, so it's got to be what? Divine. It's got to be supernatural. It's got to be miraculous. It's not a natural, normal thing. Now, come back to Zechariah 8. Zechariah chapter 8. When we get done with Mark, my goal, my plan, is to get into these minor prophets. And uh, that's my plan, so maybe in a couple weeks we'll get there. and we'll, because, of, uh, because this ties in to everything we've been studying in the Gospels. Zechariah 8, if you look here at Zechariah 8, we'll start in verse 13, and it shall come to pass that as ye were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. So when will Israel be a blessing? The kingdom. Right back here, the fifth course of judgment, all that, verse 13, they're cursed, they've had trouble. Then he says, I will save you. When does he save them? Second coming kingdom is established. Now, draw your eye across the page. We'll start reading verse 20. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, it shall yet come to pass, that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities. And the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts, I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days, what days? Kingdom days. That's the context, verse 13. In those days, when all the inhabitants of every nation come, we get a picture of it in Acts 2. But Zechariah isn't looking at Acts 2. He's looking out here to the kingdom. We get a picture of it in Acts 2. That's why in chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, you've got all the inhabitants of the known world there, every nation. Now keep reading. "...shall come to pass... Now, this, that ten men should take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Now, this is the kingdom, and the nations here aren't Jews. These are Gentiles. Okay? What was happening in Acts 2 was, was little flock working with Israel. They've rejected it. They've rejected through the dross here, through the tribulation where they're cleaning up the dross and the rebel out of the nation. Now the true nation goes, Matthew 28, they go out. But what are they able to do? Speak the language of the known world of the day. So verse 23, so in verse 13, when he says, I will save you and ye shall be a blessing. If you think about Genesis 12 in the Abrahamic covenant, the conclusion of that is that Abraham's seed will be a blessing to the families of the earth. They will be a blessing to the nations of the earth, the Gentiles. So verse 23, "...in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you." What are they doing? They're go- How in the world can 10 Gentiles, we can't even, we have to have interpreters today. So here's a Jew, a little flock, a believing remnant member, out doing ministry, out preaching the kingdom message, and he's able to walk into a situation and 10 different language groups hear him and say, yep, yeah, that's what we need right there. Again, the sign is confirming the preaching of the wonderful works of God, Acts 2 there. Okay, The sign is confirming the preaching, uh, the message. Again, why the language change? That attack by the adversary against God, developing that fourth institution of creation, nationalism, and how things are going to work. And he's tearing it down. So what do we do? He, God says, that's okay. I get, it. I got it beat. I'm going to do this. Now come over to Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66. So Acts two. Here's Israel getting worked on. Now we, with the interruption of the dispensation of grace. Now time is changed. Isaiah 66. But over here, they're going to work with Israel. They're going to reject it. And the kingdom, they're going to go out, and they're going to deal with the nations, the Gentiles. Isaiah 66, we're in the new heavens. Verse 22, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. What, What great comfort to the nation of Israel that they're going to remain forever just as he told them they would. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. How how much flesh? All of it. Okay, so this is going to be believing Israel and believing Gentiles. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of men that have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, And they shall be in a whoring unto all flesh. Language is no longer an issue in the new. It is here because of the curse. But what happens after the thousand years is up? Satan is loosed. Thousand years is up. Satan's loose. There's one little more battle. Then we've got the great white throne. He's cast into the lake of fire. By the way, if you think about Lucifer, he started in the third heaven, the heaven of God, the garden of God. And he got kicked out into the second universe, second heaven, which is where he operates today. Revelation 12 says he's going to get kicked out of that down to the earth. Middle of the week, war in heaven. He gets kicked to the earth. He's on the earth. He's cast into the bottomless pit, which is a a compartment of hell. And then he's cast into the lake. He's going the wrong way. He's going down. see? The casting, the speaking in the new tongue has to do again with reversing the adversary's attack which caused God to then judge and confound the language, but it's a kingdom issue. It's a push toward the kingdom. Now, we got three minutes before 8 o'clock. So Zephaniah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Zephaniah 3, so that I don't get accused of missing this verse. Zephaniah 3, in verse 8 and verse number 9. Zephaniah 3, verse 8. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that's the Gentiles, that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Whoa. That's second coming, folks, okay? Now, he doesn't kill everybody. The, the call to the is the armies of the nations. They come to the Battle of Armageddon and all that, okay? Other passages talk about those that are left of the sword, okay? He's got to have Gentiles to go, fit, to go carry out the Matthew 28 commission. He's got to have people out there they can go witness to. But watch verse 9. For then... Will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent? That, again, reversing the curse of Genesis 11, but that only happens in the kingdom. So the speaking, the casting out of devils, go back to Mark 16, because we'll stop here, we'll get 18 next time. Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So the casting out of the devils, the kingdom is on its way. If I cast out the devils now, then that kingdom of God is here. The speaking in tongues has to do again with the reversing, the curse of Genesis 11, which is an ad which is God's response to the adversary's attack, and it's focusing here. None of these have anything to do with you and I today in the dispensation of grace of the body of Christ. This is all about the future events. It's future for Mark 16. This is what's coming. Now, they don't see us. They don't see the interruption, but this is what's to come. And during the tribulation... Mark 16, 17, Mark 16, 18, middle of that verse, it says shall not hurt them. Now they're gonna take up snakes, they're gonna take up serpents, and they're gonna, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So they're gonna be able to deal with the persecution and the tribulations that are gonna come to them. Okay? and it will not hurt them, that's the issue going in, okay? And we'll talk about all that next time. The serpents there are snakes. It's actually a reference to, cre- to, to the animal kingdom. We'll see all that next time, okay? Again, a lot of speculation about this stuff, but when you just look at it in Scripture, it's, it's pretty straightforward of what these things are associated with. Uh, the drinking any deadly thing again—that doesn't really happen in Acts. You see that over in reference in uh, Revelation to wormwood, worm, wormwood, wormwood. <laughs> yeah, warm. Yeah, worm. Anyway, okay, we'll get it straightened out for next time. All right. <laughs> At least I can kid, joke, make fun of myself, right? Okay. But the goal on this stuff is they're very specific. They're not just a gen- generic, you know, well, it's this or that. No, it's, this is what it is, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the instructions, for to be able to look into these things and see them and rejoice in them and rejoice in what you're doing with your, with your people and how you will one day save them and establish them and give them and, and bring in the promises that you've promised to them. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.